As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live call, music, hymns and liturgy, together with prayers and a sermon specially recorded for each service, and with readings led by members of our choir and congregation and recorded in their own homes. We shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with ours, and may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the second Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're listening to us, we hope you will feel very much part of the St. Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving. 
to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the desires and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission for all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of the prophet Daniel, chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none, none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counsellors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he laboured till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought, and laid at the mouth of the den, 
and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to
the New Testament lesson is taken from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 15, beginning at verse 46, through to chapter 16, verse 8. And he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulchre which was hewn out of rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulchre. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joses beheld where he was laid. And when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun, and they said amongst themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Almighty Father, who hast given thine only Son to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification, grant us so to put away the leaven of malice and wickedness that we may always serve thee in pureness of living and truth through the merits of Christ Jesus, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I was ordained deacon 32 years ago this summer. As you may be aware, it is standard practice for ordinands, as they are called, to spend the days leading up to their ordination service in a time of retreat together to prepare themselves for what will inevitably be a defining moment of transition in their lives. These retreats are normally led by an experienced priest who gives a series of addresses to guide this time of preparation. But alongside that, much of the retreat is deliberately left free for prayer and stillness and silence, with plenty of time for each individual to read and reflect. I must confess that I hadn't really given much thought as to what reading I should take with me on my ordination retreat. So, as I was leaving, I really did just grab the nearest two books from my desk, a couple of books that I had recently bought but had not yet had the chance to read. And do you know, I could not have chosen two more appropriate volumes upon which, together with the Bible, to base a lifelong ministry. Because what I took with me on my ordination retreat were two books of the poetry of the Anglican priest and poet R.S. Thomas. And goodness me, have they helped sustain me throughout my Christian life, as well as my ordained ministry, over these decades. For me, there are two reasons why I have found R.S. Thomas's poetry so significant, the first of which might sound rather strange, because it is to do with the bleakness of much of his poetry, Thomas really does engage very directly and honestly with the hard realities of life and the harsh realities of Christian ministry. There is one short poem in particular to which I have returned often because, for reasons I shall explain in a moment, I have found it a source of both comfort and consolation in all those times when I have felt utterly useless in the face of human suffering. The poem is called simply Evans. In it, the poet describes his experience of paying a pastoral visit to a dying parishioner, an elderly man, the Evans of the title, who is confined to bed in his stark, isolated farmhouse on the ridge of a Welsh hillside. He leaves the man's bedside and goes out into the darkness and the rain, feeling helpless and desolate. The closing lines of the poem are these. It was not the dark filling my eyes and mouth appalled me, not even the drip of rain like blood from the one tree, weather-tortured. It was the dark, 
silting the veins of that sick man I left stranded upon the vast and lonely shore of his bleak bed. Why on earth do I find such a desolate poem to be a source of comfort? Because it reminds me that when I leave pastoral situations feeling precisely that kind of hopelessness and helplessness and despair, it is not because I am a complete failure as a Christian minister. Rather, it is because there are some human situations that are so desperate that however much we want to help someone or ease their plight or comfort them with the good news of God's love, sometimes there is little we can do other than simply to try to be present for them in whatever way we can and to be there with that love in our hearts. And this poem speaks to me also because in an oblique and understated way, Thomas links that experience with the crucifixion of Christ, hence his reference to rain like blood from the one tree, whether tortured. This might well seem a rather gloomy subject for an Eastertide sermon. But it is also the case that precisely because R.S. Thomas knows all about desolation, the glimpses of joy and wonder and hope that he offers us are all the more powerful and convincing because their currency is the higher as a result. And this is never more apparent than when the two realities are woven together, as in the opening words of his poem, Easter Sunday, which begins in this way. Alleluia, not the empty tomb, but the uninhabited cross. Look long enough and you will see the arms put on leaves, not a crown of thorns, but a crown of flowers, haloing it with a bird singing, as though perched on paradise's threshold. That is the true nature of resurrection hope, a hope that remains steadfast, even in the face of despair a hope that discovers the source of new life from within the very heart of darkness. We live in dark and difficult times at present, and many of us know the feeling of helplessness in the face of the suffering of those whom we love or for whom we have a duty of care. So, thanks be to God for all those who offer us the inspiration and the hope to keep going whenever we feel tempted to despair and to help keep the life-giving love of Christ burning in our hearts. Amen.
Let us pray. O Lord our God, grant us this night grace to desire you with our own heart, so that desiring you we may seek and find you, and so finding you may love you, and so loving you may hate those sins that separate us from you. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Jesus, who healed the sick in body, mind, and spirit, we place into your gentle hands all who are suffering this day. We pray for all who have contracted coronavirus, especially those who are in hospital, those who are in intensive care fighting for life, those who are struggling with their illness at home, and those who in so many parts of the world lack access to the basic medical care that they so urgently require. We pray too for those in need of treatment or surgery for other medical conditions whose care has been disrupted or suspended because of the pandemic. And we pray for all for whom life is a struggle, those who are separated from loved ones, especially any who feel frightened and unsupported. We pray for those whose mental state is fragile, those who are in despair, those who have lost employment, who are financially insecure and fearful for the future. We pray for peace within troubled communities, peace within troubled homes, and peace within troubled hearts. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who seek to serve and to care for those who are in need. Remembering our hard-pressed medical practitioners and nursing staff. We pray for those who work in our care homes or support the vulnerable within our communities, especially those whose own health and welfare is put at risk on a daily basis through their care for others. We pray for all who serve our communities in many and various ways, keeping essential services and food supplies functioning. And we pray for the leaders of the nations, for all whose decisions can shape the future welfare of the people they are called to serve. We pray that they may exercise their authority wisely and well. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have died and for any who are dying now, that they may rest in peace and rise in glory. And we pray for all who feel the pain of bereavement and loss, especially those who are distraught 
at being unable to hold loved ones as they pass away. May your healing and consoling love surround all your suffering children at this time and bring them your peace. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our families and friends and for all who support us with their love. Gentle God, grant that at home, where we are most truly ourselves, and where we are known at our best and at our worst, we may learn to forgive and to be forgiven. And we pray for all whose needs we carry in our hearts. Living Lord, we name them before you in the silence of our hearts, and we ask your blessing upon them. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for ourselves and for one another as we entrust this day and the days to come to our Heavenly Father and ask for his grace and his guidance. Lord of our darkest places, let in your light. Lord of our greatest fears, let in your peace. Lord of our deepest shame, let in your grace. Lord of our oldest grudge, let in your forgiveness. Lord of our deepest anger, let your love open our hearts to release it. Lord of our loneliest moments, let in your presence. Lord of our true selves, Lord who is all in all, let in your wholeness. O Lord our God, we thank you for drawing us to yourself. Keep the burning of our desire for you as clear and steady as candle flame, as we offer to you our attention and our focus and our will. May the whole of our being be filled with your light, that others may be drawn to you. May our whole being be cleansed by the flame of your love, that we may in turn be channels of love to others. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. <laughs>